Welcome again everyone. Uh, today in this session we're going to be looking at wounds and the healing of the heart. I've already established how three of our greatest problems which block our way to blessing in Christ are sins, wounds and demons. And we've seen that it's very important to apply the right remedy to each of those and hopefully this is going into your memory now. Sins need to be repented of, wounds need to be healed and demons must be expelled. One of the great dangers of deliverance ministry is that sometimes people try to cast out of others something that's a wound and it could actually be a part of them, a part of their wounded uh, soul or spirit. And so it's vital that we have discernment and recognize what is demonic, what is a human spirit or soul issue or even body issue. And we need to understand and discern the difference between those. Um, we are human beings and God is the divine being. And, and just as the most important thing is to understand who God is and what God is like, the next important thing I think is to understand who we are, how we're made and what we're like. At the fall, something tragic happened, of course, um, and brokenness came into the universe. Disorder, fragmentation, a kind of dislocation in relationship. And we often think of that in terms of how our relationship with God broke down. And of course, that's true. Satan came into the garden and tempted Adam and Eve by saying, has God really said? And he's doing the same thing today. But also the relationship with man with man, and man and woman broke down um, and uh, the, the married couple started blaming each other for what had happened. And not very long after that, we see the first murder uh, between Cain and Abel. But what a lot of people don't appreciate is how not only the relationship between man and God broke down and man and man broke down, but the relationship of man with himself actually became affected. Let me try to explain. You may have a bit of knowledge about the spirit, soul and body. Um, how we're made up as human beings. It's interesting. Some people believe we're tripartite, three parts. Some people believe we're only soul and body or and the soul and the spirit's the same thing. Uh, I'll not get into all the details of that. Save to say my understanding is that it's more tripartite than bipartite and we're spirit, soul and body, although at times spirit and soul can be used interchangeably in scripture. But basically, the spirit is the God conscious part that he breathed into us. Um, and we became living beings at creation. The Ruach of God, the breath and wind of God was breathed into Adam's body and he became living. And so that is the God conscious part of us, the part that connects and engages with the divine. And then the soul, if you like, is the self-conscious part. People understand it is made up of them, the mind, the emotions and the will. Some people see the emotions also related to the spirit as well. It, it overlaps a little bit. But this is where we, we think, we feel and we act. And then the body is the world conscious, material conscious part of it. The part of us that we relate to the world outside with. Now, what happened when man sinned in the garden was his spirit became dead toward God. Now, that doesn't mean his spirit ceased to exist. People still have a spirit because the life is in the spirit. And so what happened was the connection with God, the relationship was broken, but his spirit still exists. And that's the explanation for worship and false religions and even how we can worship ourselves. So the spirit became dead to God. 
the soul became self-centered. So our thoughts, feelings and actions became self-centric rather than God-centric. And then the body became sensual. But God's ideal was that through his spirit, on our spirits, we would in our mind, emotion and will, the soul, exercise his will through the instrument of the body. And so since the fall, and there's a lot to take in here, I grant you, but since the fall, I want you to understand the identity of the spirit that we still have that's cut off from God expresses itself through our soul, our mind, motion and will, and the body acts out on that. So whenever our thoughts, our feelings and our actions are wrong, when there's something wrong with those, it's a sign that something deeper has been wounded even in the spirit. And that can even manifest in the body. It's a well-established fact that stress contributes to becoming sick. Mental, emotional and spiritual problems often have uh, are, are at the root of, of physical illness. And so uh, there's a minimum estimate of about 50% and some even estimated higher that 70% of illness can be psychosomatic. That does not mean it's all in your head. What it means is that there can be mental and emotional causation for physical sickness at times. And we would add to that there can be spiritual reasons as well. So God's intent was that the spirit and not the soul would sustain us. The spirit would sustain us rather than our thoughts, emotions and will. And we find this in Hebrews 4 verse 12. If you look at it, it says, The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open uh, to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So there we see God is searching the hearts and he's able to separate wounds from sins. And there can be an area of infection here in our woundedness that leads us to sinful behaviors as coping mechanisms and even can give rights to demonic activity. So we're discerning, is, it, is there sin there? Are there wounds there? Are there demonic entities there? And we need the Holy Spirit's discernment for this. And the Lord himself can distinguish between those things. And it's important to understand because the enemy can exploit a wound. And so we can be sinning in a habitual behavior as a coping mechanism for one of these wounds. And the enemy can use one of these wounds as a foothold for demonic uh, rights. Just like when we're kids and we fall off our bike and graze our knee. Um, and our mum maybe um, takes dead all or some other and disinfectant and puts it on her knee it can be painful because she knows that a wound can be an area of, of infection and so wounds need to be distinguished and wounds need to be healed you understand and we see here in this verse that uh, it appears that the writer is connecting spirit with marrow the spirit is like the marrow and the soul is like the joints and the idea is that if the marrow is the life of the bone that's the spirit that gives us human life. The soul is like the joints of the body. It expresses that life just as we move about. We express life with joints. And so the source of our life is the spirit and the soul is what gives expression through our thoughts, our feelings and our action. But this is the point I want you to get to. I know it's all complicated, but this is the main thrust that if the spirit is damaged, the soul will be affected on the body, our, our mind, 
emotion and will and even our, our physical health. And the Bible bears this out. We read in Proverbs 15 and verse 13, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is broken. Proverbs 18:14. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? Proverbs 17:22. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. The same imagery of the spirit being affected, actually drying up the physical element. So if the inner part is damaged, the whole can be struggling. So let us, let's answer a few questions. First of all, where do we get the wounds? And then in a moment or two, we'll look at how do we get the healing. But where do we get these wounds? Well, essentially anywhere from anyone. Uh, apart from the general fall of mankind into sin, there are many contributors to woundedness. And a lot of it, it has to be said, comes from relationships. The highest points in life and the lowest uh, probably center around life's relationships. So let's look at a few of those. Your notes bear this out and you can fill in the blanks. First of all, our family and our friends. And uh, this is a big area where we can be affected. Right from the moment of conception, it has to be said. When we are conceived, we have a spirit. God breathes a spirit into us. And that spirit is like a sponge. And whatever is experienced, even in the womb or even at the moment of conception, can, can actually be programmed in a way into our spirits even if it's rejection. And you can see the chart here, uh, the diagram, I should say, uh, of the growth of rejection. It's in your notes and it's on the screen. And uh, you can see the root system can start at conception, pre-birth experience, birth experience, lack of bonding, abandonment, words spoken over us uh, after a birth, throughout our life, rejection in the family line, circumstances, and even um, experiences in school. And what that will contribute, the root system will contribute these root causes to beliefs and a belief system in our mind and heart about life, about ourselves. And that will give growth and fruition to rejection and rebellion and aggression, uh, aggressive reaction, self-rejection, fear of rejection. You can see the fruit of each of those in the diagram. Low self-esteem, inferiority, self-condemnation, fear of failure, argumentative harshness, stubbornness, anger, anxiety, negativism, pessimism, despair, suicide, striving, perfectionism, independence, withdrawing, blame shifting. And this is not an exhaustive diagram or list, of course, but you can see how rejection can affect us. And rejection can actually start at the moment of conception. And we've got Bible for that, how the, the, the child in the womb is responsive. We saw it, John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth leapt because of the presence of Jesus in the womb of Mary. And so there's some kind of consciousness that seemed to be spiritual to an extent, but an awareness that was unconscious to the mind, but conscious to the spirit. Derek Prince observed in the United States that commonly those in a certain age group seem to have a sense of early rejection. And he discovered that many of these had been born during the Great Depression of 1929 to 1930. And at that time, parents with many mouths to feed could hardly bear the thought of one more mouth um, to, to feed. And so there was this inner attitude, he says, of rejection toward the unborn child. And he saw that born out in, in these adults. And self-rejection, fear of rejection can also come from rejection uh, early on in our life and indeed at any stage. There can be rejection of our gender identity. There can be fear and anxiety that comes along with such rejection or early birth experiences. And certainly our formative years 
when we're growing up after our birth, um, that's often where the most damage is truly done. And many of us have been brought up in environments that were just positively toxic, very, very difficult childhoods. And we need to see how that wounds us. And of course, one of the contributory factors in that very often is the parents that we have. And some of us are very thankful for good parents, but some of us hadn't, haven't had such good parents. And our parents are meant to mirror God to us. They're meant to be a signpost pointing us to what God the Father is really like. So if you've had an absent or a distant parent or a parent that engendered fear in you or rejected you, if you'd have trust issues with your parents, if you had to earn their favour, if you were given too much responsibility early in life put on your shoulders or if there was a broken parent uh, looking to their children for emotional needs or you had a controlling parent, a, a smother rather than a mother, that can really affect us and wound us very early in our formation. Maybe we were never taught to love, so we don't know how to receive it. All of these are contributory factors um, to woundedness in our formative years. Derek Prince, again, tells of a mother who had several daughters, but she favoured one in particular. And one day she heard a sound in another room and thinking it was her, her daughter she favoured and most loved, she called out, is that you, darling? And the discouraged voice of the other daughter replied, no, it's only me. And some of us have had that experience in families, uh, sibling rivalry or a, a favourite child, and we felt that we were the runt of the litter and didn't matter as much. So conception, parents can affect us in a big way. We could go into that much more deeply. But also friends, and we've talked already in a previous session about heart ties, and uh, whether it's a partner, sexual partner, or just a friend or an abuser, it can even be someone who's already deceased. It could be a child that um, we, we miscarried or an abortion. It can be a disordered love where there's been an idolatrous relationship of some kind. The bottom line is here that we can still be affected by historic relationships in the past. Could be a sibling, could be a teacher, could even be a church leader. It could be someone who pronounced something over us or prophesied falsely into our lives. Whatever it is, you cannot underestimate the, the places that we can be wounded by our friends. And so that's our family and friends, conception, parents and, and friends. And then a second area uh, where the wounds can come from is through life's experience, particularly in the area of trauma. We can actually be stuck in a tragedy in the past. Our bodies can um, heal if we had been physically wounded, but our spirits and soul can still have the memories of those traumatic events. And very often we need the healing of memories. Dr. Lloyd-Jones, who was a famous preacher in Westminster Chapel, of course, in London. But before that, he, he was a minister in the Welsh uh, Valleys. And in 1930, he was asked by two ministers in Wales to visit a local schoolmaster who had once been active in Christian work. But they just described him as a tragic case. Um, asked what, asking what was wrong, Lloyd-Jones um, was given the answer that this man had some kind of depressive condition. He, he got headaches and pains in his stomach and uh, Lloyd-Jones asked how long he had been like this. And the answer came back when he visited the man from, from the man himself that he'd been like that from 1915. Um, Lloyd-Jones asked the gentleman, how, how did all this begin? And he described how war broke out in 1914 and he volunteered for the Navy and he was transferred to the submarine corps and was sent to the Mediterranean. And his submarine was involved in the Gallipoli campaign. 
and one afternoon he heard a terrible thud in the submarine and the submarine shook and it hit a mine and immediately the submarine plummeted to the bottom of the Mediterranean and the man just said these are his own words you know from that moment I have never been the same man Lloyd-Jones said please tell me the rest of the story and the gentleman said there isn't any more to tell and several times the man relayed the same story again to Lloyd-Jones, went over the scene of the thud, the sinking to the bottom. Then Lloyd-Jones would ask, well, what happened now? And the man would say, nothing, that's the end of the story. But then Lloyd-Jones very perceptively and incisively asked this question of the gentleman. Are you still at the bottom of the Mediterranean? Physically, of course, the man wasn't. He was sitting in front of Lloyd-Jones, but mentally and emotionally, and I would say spiritually, the man was stuck at the bottom of the Mediterranean. And they prayed for him and he was healed. He was released um, from that restriction and from the afflictions that um, had transpired from it. You can be stuck in a historic trauma, spiritually speaking, and you need to be released. Some of you will know of Miss Havisham, in Dickens' Great Expectations, who epitomises someone caught in time. She was the daughter of a very wealthy man, and on the morning of her wedding, at 8.40 a.m. exactly, she received a letter from her to-be husband that um, he was not coming to the altar. And Dickens depicts Miss Havisham as stopping all the clocks at 8.40 a.m. exactly, at the precise time that the letter had arrived. And she spends the rest of her life in, in her bridal gown, which eventually turns yellow with age. She only wears one shoe because she had only put one on at the time of the catastrophe. And even as an elderly woman, she remains crippled by the burden of this devastating calamity in her life. That can be like how we are at times. We may have had an accident, some kind of tragedy, and our body is healed. Life has moved on, but our spirit is still wounded. It could be a bereavement, a loss, an abuse. It could be bitterness, it could be unforgiveness. And we've seen how unforgiveness can truly affect us deeply. And the third area where we get the wounds, not just family, friends and experiences, can be actually from ourselves. When we hate ourselves, we don't accept ourselves, we won't forgive ourselves, and we make self-pronouncements over ourselves and that's a huge subject but I want you to consider how you or someone you're ministering to can be affected by this and all of these um, places we get wounds can make you weak to resist sin where you reach out to certain habits as coping mechanisms all of these can become footholds for the enemy and the demonic and block our blessing that we ought to be receiving uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ so let's finish by looking at how we get the healing from these wounds. The good news of the gospel is that God wants to redeem what Satan has sought to destroy. Uh, I've quoted to you 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24 from the message. Let's read it again. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together spirit, soul and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he will do it. He wants to fix us. Put us together, spirit, soul, and body, and make us holy, H-O-L-Y, and whole, W-H-O-L-E. So there is a biblical, holistic gospel, and God has the administrative privileges and the password to fix us as human beings. 
And he got that through the authority Jesus gives in the gospel to be Lord of all our lives and completely change us from the outside in. The good news is, Matthew twelve twenty that Jesus, a, 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 a bruised reed will he not break and a smoking flax he will not quench. In other words, when we're bent over and just hanging by a thread, Jesus doesn't come and snap us in half. He wants to restore us and heal us. When the dying embers of life are about to snuff out and all's left is smoke, he doesn't come along and lick his uh, thumb and forefinger and just extinguish all life that, that remains. But he wants to bring us to life, abundant life, overflowing. Uh, in Matthew 11, Jesus said in verse 20, Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus is concerned with the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. And we see that reflected in the Gospels. He wants to fix us, spirit, soul, and body. He touches bodies. He touches minds. He delivers those who are tormented and oppressed by the enemy. We have a Savior who at the cross, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The, the punishment of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And he was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He has experienced every type of rejection, every type of wound and abuse on the cross, as well as our sins, as well as our sicknesses. And because of that, we have a Savior who understands our humanity and has taken everything that our sin has brought upon us. And so, because of that, he can heal us. So here are a few steps um, toward the healing of these wounds that I want you to consider. First of all, one, choose forgiveness. We'll not spend time on that because we have a whole session on it if you need to go over it again to understand what forgiveness is and what it isn't. But you need to forgive the person, people who have wounded you. Two, give your anger permission. Don't suppress emotions. Emotions were meant to be emoted. And they're a kind of pressure valve to let off steam. And sometimes we suppress those and that's where the damage comes in. And as long as we're not hurting other people when we express our emotions, we need to let our emotions come out somehow. And you need to do that in a controlled way, whether it's punching a pillow, go out into the forest and shout at the top of your voice or put the windows of the car up and shout and express whatever's coming whenever God's bringing those things up. Don't push it down. Thirdly, Repent of ungodly responses to wounding. And ungodly responses to wounding could be hurting others. Um, you hurt me, I hate you, so I will hurt you. Or it could be rejecting other people. I'll reject you before you reject me. And that's why people can be come prickly and curl up like a hedgehog with a, the spikes out. Or it could be the, the response that is ungodly, I, I'm hurt, um, so I will fix myself my own way rather than turning things over to God or in the flesh vowing I'm never going to become like that person who hurt me. We need to repent of our ungodly responses to wounding. And then fourthly, we need to break ungodly ties that have been established. And that might mean removing an influence, a person out of our lives, if that's possible. It's not always possible. Or it might mean putting certain boundaries in our lives um, toward other people. Um, you might say, oh, this, this relationship was in the past. Well, it's not really if it's affecting you in the present. So you might need to pray, even though the relationship is over, that those ties are broken with those individuals who have hurt you in whatever way they have. Fifthly, repent of ungodly substitutes. And very often we, we have um, 
sins that we turn to instead of healing to solve our pain and you know the addiction cycle we've talked about already pain seeks out pleasure but of course it just exacerbates the pain because we come out of the pleasure and we feel the guilt we have to jump back into the cycle and it's usually partaking of that sin again so let's repent of ungodly substitutes sixth we need to demolish strongholds um, of the mind and the diagram that you're about to see, um, there we see the stronghold of rejection. Stronghold is just a lie that is built on a foundation of lies. It's like a castle where the enemy hides in our minds and in our hearts, in our belief systems. And here you see the rejection cycle says, others don't seem to include me or make me feel welcome. And the second uh, step is then I, I feel it hits the emotions the mind first then the emotions I feel rejected and unloved and then thirdly there must be something wrong with me no one loves me and so that is fostered belief that you you're not loved and finally you you act on that to avoid pain I won't let anyone get too close I'll reject them first and so we need to actually demolish these strongholds by naming them as lies by renouncing them and then the next step is the answer of what to do after that um, seventh the renewal of the mind and the new identity and you see this in the acceptance cycle you replace the lie with the truth and the truth is first of all in your mind i am accepted and loved by jesus and from that truth outflows it doesn't matter what other people think of me i'm going to feel about myself the way christ says i am and, and this truth in my mind and then thirdly, I can reach out to others and even if they hurt me, that's okay because I'm getting healing and identity and value and worth from Jesus, not from them. So I can reach out even if they do reject me. And fourthly, my security is in Jesus. If others hurt me, I can take the pain to Jesus. So even if I get hurt again, there is a place that I can go where I can get the healing. And it's very important to see here that the secret of healing from wounds is all about identity. We actually need to change the spiritual ecosystem that attracted the enemy in the first place. Think about that. We need to change the spiritual ecosystem that attracted the enemy in the first place. See, the demonic wants us to believe lies not only about ourselves but about others. And probably, listen carefully to this, more important than change, changing your behavior is actually changing the way you think. That's essentially what metanoia is in Greek, repentance. It means to change your mind. The demons are often attracted to what we think more than what we do. And they are attracted to what we do, but very often it starts in our mind. Our identity, what God says about you, it, the majority of what you need to know in order to be delivered and healed is in what God thinks and says about you, what your true identity in Jesus Christ is. That's very important. Eighth, choose to allow God to bring healing and comfort into your hurt and pain. Become present to it. So said already, don't uh, suppress it. Emotions are meant to be expressed primarily at the time of the event and if, if that hasn't happened they, they will um, accumulate but they need to come out some way but don't deny them as I've said before so often there's a lake of tears overlaid by uh, ice and we need to allow the Lord Jesus into our hearts to bore a hole in that ice and to let the tears flow allow him to tap into it allow those things emotions to rise up and out of ourselves even the memories and the pain of the memories need to be healed allow jesus into those memories give god permission to be lord of your emotions and your pain and like the cross as i've said before it's 
it's like a sponge soaking up all our brokenness and our hurt and sin. Allow all of that woundedness to come out of you and go up into Jesus and allow his wholeness and his healing to fill you with grace and life and receive that by faith. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isn't that marvellous? What a truth that is. And so if your woundedness is coming from um, worry or fear, um, if they have created access points, well, you need to renounce that and you need to begin to choose to trust in the Lord. Because we, we give power to the things that we fear um, fear is a kind of faith if you like and there's much more about fear there's a whole chapter in my book about that and you can read more into that but when you believe the lie you effectively empower the liar and it's very important that you choose to renounce the lie and um, and believe the truth so let's come to the Lord now um, there are other prayers in your notes not a specific one for this because it covers so much um, by way of area and uh, we'll even explore in our next session, as uh, those who are doing my course uh, will be doing a, a um, particular role play scenario. Um, and that can help. That will be made available somehow to, to you others if you want to explore that. Um, but that will help us take the tools that we're learning and apply them to practical situations. But the prayers that we've given you about forgiveness, soul ties, etc. Will, will be helpful to minister to wounds, also prayers that we will be giving you in future sessions. But let's come before the Lord. Um, and maybe you have areas of your heart. Maybe there's been a lot to consider here today, but maybe the Holy Spirit has put his finger on something that has been an issue for you, or you're learning how to help someone that you love. Well, let's pray and ask for the Lord's help in that, to just discern where the problem is and where the healing comes. Father, we thank you that you are the great healer. And you demonstrated that to us whenever you sent Jesus into the world. And you came in Christ, um, bearing our sin to take it away, to carry it, to destroy it, that which was destroying us. And Lord, we thank you for the healing that is in the cross, for the freedom, the forgiveness. Um, the cross of Jesus is the answer. And Lord, we just pray that you bring us all to the cross now. And wherever the source of our woundedness is, whether it's family and friends or experiences or even from our own hand. Lord, we pray that we will choose to forgive, that we will give our emotions permission and that we will repent of ungodly responses to wounding and ask you to break those, those ties that might be there and forgive us for the substitutes that we take to our hearts with sin to fill up the emptiness or to dull the pain. And we pray that you'll help us to take the authority that you've given us Jesus to demolish the strongholds of the mind and to renew our mind and our true identity and what you say about us and Lord may we come at the foot of the cross today to receive the comfort the healing from our hurt and pain in the name of Jesus Christ we pray amen God bless you and see you next time